Hello and welcome to CAA Conversation. Today we are with Paul Solatis and Joe Potts. Paul is an assistant professor at the Rhode Island, Rhode Island School of Design, where he teaches experimental publishing, typography, and graphic design. He is also the founder of Library of the Print Web, which, which was recently acquired by MoMA Library. Joe is a graphic designer, educator, artist, and writer working with fan and synthesized image, sans typography and languages. He teaches typography, graphic design at Otis College of Art and Design and the University of South, Southern California. And he is the founding director of the Southland Institute for Critical, Durational, and Typography Post-Studio Practice. They will be speaking about practice and or as project. I'll hand it over to you two. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Bobby. Hi, Joe. Hi there. How are you? Good. Um, so yeah, I'm just thinking about our title, um, practice and or as project. Um, and I know that we want to get into that for sure, but maybe to start, um, I, I would love to ask you about uh, how you actually got into teaching design. How, I, don't, I don't think I really know that story. Um, well, it is, I mean, so something that's interesting is I, I actually got turned on to, I think, graphic design in sort of a serious way or like a formative way by one of your colleagues. Uh, back in like 2001, um, yeah, I was living in Providence and had taken a couple classes with Nancy Scolos. Oh, right. Okay. So I wasn't I wasn't like a, a full time student at RISD, but I'd taken she had a graphic form class and a motion montage class, um, both of which were kind of I think I just had sort of like an aha moment in them about. So these were sort of after I had gone to college I did like undergrad liberal arts um and just in terms of sort of this idea of design and this way of really like thinking through making things um really just sort of hit me and it was I mean that was at a time when I was doing a lot of writing um you know I think that and we'll talk about this more in a bit but my parts of my, other parts of my practice have always kind of included writing and sound and music um, but I think that was this moment that I became really interested in graphic design, uh, and then ended up going, I studied at CalArts partially because they had a kind of interdisciplinary, um, thing set up where you could do two schools at once. You could do what's called inner school. Um, and they had a writing program, uh, and a graphic design program that I was interested in. So I basically like went there to do those things and, you know, as part of studying there, uh, you know, we would we would be teaching assistants for the various things we were studying. So I was teaching writing at that time and then also TAing graphic design and just realized that, yeah, teaching graphic design was something that I really loved uh -huh. doing sort of this, this way of like thinking about design and thinking about design projects and kind of coming up with them and, and talking about them. Um, How long ago was that? That, how long ago? Yeah. What did you actually start? Teaching? That was so. I started teaching. I mean, I was so I went to. I was in school from 2006 to 2009, 
and was teaching like teaching as a assistant from probably to 2007 to 2009 and then uh started teaching professionally i think in yeah like january 2010 mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so fair i mean teaching is is pretty new for me as well um although i came to it much later in my career um and i never i never really thought that i would be teaching um and it just sort of happened by accident uh <laughs> through um uh also a colleague now here at, at RISD, uh, Clement Valla, who asked me to um, fill in for, and it actually had to do with uh, Nancy Scolos becoming our dean and then filling in because there was a vacancy in a class for a class called Relational Design. Um, and that was something that I uh, didn't know anything about, <laughs> but jumped in and, um, and yeah, and I've been, I've been teaching here ever since, but that's only been about four years. At what at what point um, in that in your teaching career did did you um, start to think about the possibility of alternatives or what else might be possible for uh, for uh, a school, for instance, uh, a teaching you know uh, an educational institution? Uh huh. Um, I mean, in in some ways, I feel like it was that was one of those things. There were there wasn't like one particular moment I think it's been kind of like a, a slow build and it's been there have been a number of things that all sort of like tie together I think in interesting ways and so it's been you know I think on on one hand uh there's been this way that like teaching for these I guess it's been about eight years um you know I feel like as a teacher I'm sort of like I'm learning all the time I'm I think sort of coming to realize how much I love the classroom as a space for exploration and conversation. Mm -hmm. um, but then I also think that, you know, in terms of this question about alternatives, um, you know, been involved in a lot of the sort of accreditation processes and coming up with rubrics and coming up with all these things and, you know, in the meantime, I think I've also, you know, sort of had this ongoing list of like, almost like, like, what are classes I would really love to teach? What are things that I would like, what are things I would want to take if I were a student? And what are things that I would like to teach as a teacher? Um, and I mean, I think this is a little bit of a sidebar, but also, you know, I think have, reading the, the Ranciere book, The Ignorant Schoolmaster, um, and kind of thinking about this idea of that teaching doesn't necessarily teaching isn't necessarily like a master imparting yeah. students, but oftentimes like teaching means like it's facilitating a space, it's having that the classroom is sort of the space of like mutual discovery. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. That kind of that sort of opened up this idea of like there 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 are things I'd be interested in teaching that. I mean, even sort of the, what you said about relational, like being invited to teach this class. And not what that is. And so part of part of teaching it is like figuring it out. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I'm interested to talk a little bit more about your experience with that. But I think that that, that idea sort of felt like it really like opened the door to think about classes in a different way. Where it wasn't like, what do I know the most about and can teach that? It was sort of like, what am I the most yeah. interested in and how could that be how could sort of like building a syllabus built 
at the website for, um, and since, since I'm sure the listeners uh, are probably not so familiar, um, the website for uh, your project, which is called the Southland Institute, and that's southland.institute. And I'm right there on the main page, and I just want to read that first uh, introductory sentence there and, and talk about it with you in relation to um, the idea of, of the alternative. The Southland Institute for Critical, Durational, and Typographic Post-Studio Practices is an unaccredited postgraduate workshop and evolving public online repository of educational resources built around a central curricular helix consisting of the tools, processes, histories, and discourses of typography and critical art making. So, wow. Yeah, so unaccredited. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, just, just tell me, tell me a little bit about, tell us a little bit about this, um, about this mission statement, or what is this? Okay. Um. So, I mean, let's see. I'm trying to think of like where best to start because I think it is. Yeah. It's sort of like it's a big ball of things that have all kind of like congealed. Um, but. By way of sort of continuing the introduction, I think I'll get into answering that question. Like, I think that some of this is, some of it is pragmatic, uh, and some of it is curricular. And there's sort of this, like, theme behind the Southland Institute, which is, I think, it's like, it's bringing those things together. It's sort of like, it's this question of, like, well, what would, what would kind of, to me, and I mean, I'm, I'm going to use the term school, and obviously I'm sort of talking about, like, this as a typography program, typography and critical art program. But so, like, what would a school look like that, like, what would it be a curriculum, a sort of ideal curriculum for something like that? But also this idea that curriculum, in my experience in institutions, curriculum and the structure of the institution are, are sort of like, they remain separate. And I think that there's this sort of, this thing of administration and this thing of, teaching and this idea that like we actually like the, those streams shouldn't cross you know the, the classroom is the classroom and the institution is kind of the institution and right. so you know i think that this idea of building a school that combined those things or sort of wove some of the behind the scenes aspects um into a curriculum to create something that uses this self-reflexivity in the service of, you know, something that is at, the, at once like more robust, but also kind of like more rooted in reality and having this like conversation about how things are built and how things work and this idea of like, well, so we're, we're in a school. What is a school? What makes a school? Um, but then also that the idea that there's sort of like that these tools, the tools of graphic design being sort of like, the tools of, of language and typography and image um, and structure and how those things come together. And then also some of the kind of tools of, you know, as it says there on the site of like a critical art making, but also kind of like a critical art discourse in a way of like breaking things down and critiquing things and kind of understanding how it operates. Um, that all of that is sort of, to me, an extremely interesting premise for an education. Um, 
And I think that the, the, the unaccredited aspect of it is, I mean, it's sort of, it's also, it's like, it's at once logistical and conceptual. So I think there, yeah. there is one hand, like, um, a way that I think that accreditation, while it, su it serves a very useful purpose, which is sort of to, like, make sure that people aren't, you know, these sort of, like, uh, for-profit scam institutions aren't able to sort of, like, run rampant. Uh, it also, but it also sort of has this weird limiting factor, too, which is that, you know, in kind of having to, in order to get the accreditation, you need to sort of be able to outline very clearly all these things that's, you know, what are these outcomes? What are our criteria for excellence? What what is a person going to learn here? How are they going to learn it? What are they going to make in order to learn that thing? And so it feels like there are a lot of ways that it's, I think, I don't think it's impossible. I think it is it's possible to sort of work within that system. Yeah. Um, but I think it does, it makes it hard. I think the very nature of it sort of makes it hard to get to places that are less expected or more surprising or just this very idea that like actually like you don't you maybe don't know what the outcome is mm -hmm. that's, and that's the point and so yeah i think that's, that there's, there's, yeah. there's a way that it's i think it's it's important in that sense and then the logistical side is that you know not being accredited means that like we can just go straight out the gate yeah. without having to run through the process well, that part right there, uh, when you mentioned not knowing really what's going to happen, that, that idea that there could be that uncertainty or even mm -hmm. doubt or ambiguity could be part of um, a studio classroom situation, you know, or even part of a curriculum is so uh, enticing to me. I know it isn't for everyone. <laughs> and I think, I think that's one of the reasons why I was so interested in Southland Institute um, at first, I'm not sure, I think you reached out to me or did I reach out to you, but somehow we connected with this idea of, oh, I would like to know more about Southland Institute. Um, and the word is getting around. You know, I was at this dinner last night with colleagues and some recent alumni, and I brought up the fact that we were having this conversation today. And someone said, oh, wait a minute, that's that new school in L.A., isn't it? I really want to know about that. <laughs> so, and this is somebody who had just graduated from our MFA program. Uh -huh. so, uh, at RISD. So I do think that there's there's something sticky about this idea of an alternative to an MFA program, an alternative to what we traditionally know of as um, a typographically based, you know, graphic design program uh, mm -hmm. in higher ed, um, an alternative to this idea of um, a bulky, perhaps, uh, framework or structure known as the sort of accreditation um, process of, of rubrics and system and, um, uh, you know, what, what, what it might it look like to exist outside of a system like that. So for me, this is really enticing. And it also, I'm sort of maybe shifting the conversation a little bit now to the fact that this is your personal project. It's something that you're doing collaboratively with others. Um, I have, you know, various, um, personal projects that, like you described it before, is something that's been accumulating over time. And it brings us back um, to the title of this talk, which I know we've talked about before, and something that I'm really interested in, which is 
how um, how do these things that we're imagining might be possible? Um, how do these turn into practices? How do these turn into these sort of ongoing um, uh, things that we're compelled to do to solve to sort of weave into everything that we're doing? Um, I mean, I I started Library of the Printed Web uh, only about um, four or five years ago, and um, you know, I'm sort of on the one hand kind of alone in that endeavor, um, in that it's my project and it's something that I just feel compelled to do, and I keep doing it, and it's um, it, you know, it's become it's become my practice, but it's also a collaborative uh, project, and I know yours is too. And these things that we take with us, um, sort of through life, through a career, that end up then connecting us to other people and get sort of to be bigger than just a simple, uh, not simple, but bigger than a project, you know? <laughs> I don't know, that was sort of the, the <laughs> ideas there, but it, there's something about this idea of um, starting with a project and ending up with a practice, you know? Right. Does that feel, does that resonate with you? It, it does, and I, I mean, I think that something else interesting about what you're describing and, I mean, even thinking about both of these, because I think they're, all, they're also kind of in this middle space, in a way, where it's like they're, it's either, it's sort of like a project that becomes a practice, or, or in another, another way of saying it might be that it's like, and again, I mean, if, if we're talking about Southland Institute, or we're talking about Library of the Printed Web, mm -hmm. um, that it's almost like it's it's giving a framework to a practice uh -huh. where it's sort of saying it's sort of it's naming a practice or it's and I, and I think that we've I mean we have talked about this before but I think that idea that you know a practice feel like a project somehow feels more finite or it feels yeah. it feels more contained whereas a practice feels sort of you know to to use the Word from Southland is like that it feels more durational. It feels well. That's a really good way to put it. Yeah, holds over time. But then, but I think that there's, I think there are a lot of practices. Um, I mean, a lot of practices are named, but I think a lot of practices are like they're sort of able to be more fluid. Or like the nature of a practice is that it's, and again, I think that going back to the idea of discovery or the unknown. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think I remember something I read. I, don't, I have no idea where it came from, but it was sort of, it was about the idea of like a music practice, just like practicing piano or something. Just like having like a sort of a ritual where you, you sit down and you kind of practice the thing you do every day. Or you can have a yoga practice, you know, you can have a, a gaming practice, um, uh -huh. you know, you can have a, a studio art practice, an artistic practice. Right. And this is, you know, this is actually something that's kind of new for me in, in, in my life. I never, earlier on in my career, when I considered myself to be a graphic designer and went into my you know, job at my office and did client-based work, um, I was never thinking about that as a practice. I would go to work to do projects, you know, and, um, and that felt very separate from everything else in my life. The, the other thing maybe about practice which is something that is that I've started to realize uh, recently, is is that perhaps it is um, something that uh, doesn't have such a separation or a clear clear distinction 
with the rest of one's life. You know, it could be that practice is something that is a practice is integrated into um, everything that we're doing, reading, the people that we're meeting. I mean, that's a feeling that I have. You know, I feel like I, I bring my practice with me um, everywhere that I go, every place that I speak, um, mm -hmm. every kind of project that I'm doing. Uh -huh. And I know you do too. Um, uh -huh. So, yeah, recently I started to think about what it means to have an artistic practice and what it means to teach that as well. Mm -hmm. um, I taught a uh, summer program for RISD this past summer in Iceland and decided to call it Artistic Practice in 24-Hour Light. And I thought, going to Iceland with these 13 students, that the, uh, the second part of that title was going to be the most important, the 24-Hour uh, Light part. I thought, because we were going to have continuous daylight the whole time we were there, and this was not a graphic design course, it was open to all students, and I had a, a rock wide range of, um, of kinds of students on, on the program. Um, in fact, it turned out, even on the very first day, our very first studio, that artistic practice, and just that word practice, ended up being um, sort of what we focused on for the three-week program. It really became, I mean, students, some had an idea about what a practice is, or what it might look like, or what practice they were already starting to define for themselves, but many of them didn't. And so we had some interesting conversations there about what it means to start a routine, you know, mm -hmm. um, to start uh, building these kinds of routines and habits that um, open up space for inquiry. Right. Well, and I, I think, I mean, just to sort of, I don't, not to interrupt, but just to sort of like, go back to the thing I was saying about like that thing that I had read about the, this idea of a practice, and I think particularly as you're talking now, this idea of like setting up a routine. Yeah. But part of part of what this person was saying was that it's like there's this thing about there's a thing about the routine or the thing about like coming back to the same thing mm -hmm. over and over again that, and again, like you're saying, like opens up space. But I think there was something about this sort of like <clears throat> the right of discovery, or that this idea that in through repetition. Comes this like you realize something or you see something that you wouldn't have encountered, and I feel like again that's like thinking about various practices like outside design, whether that's like practicing an instrument or like you mentioned yoga practice, where it's like you know you're you're doing the same thing and then all of a sudden your body opens up to something that it like you couldn't do before, or you like right you know you needed to do it twenty three times before that was going to happen. Uh -huh. Yeah. And so I think that that, and I mean, and again, I think that as, as we've been talking about this idea of practice, like it, it feels like that opens up in these different ways where there's sort of, you know, I think like one way of thinking about practice is that sort of like more rigid or like regimented or routine or ritual where it's like, okay, here, this is the thing I do. Every day I write, every day I make a poster, every day I paint, every day I, you know, Whatever it is that it's, and then so it's sort of like in that structured repetition, things unfold, things are revealed. Um, but then I think that there's also this interesting thing that you also mentioned, which is like this idea that as that, maybe what started as a ritual or a routine 
does expand, that the practice becomes bigger. And then it's not like this practice is the thing I do for an hour every day or this practice is the thing I do on Friday afternoons. It's like yeah. practice is something that like I actually inhabit and like all the things yeah, I, do, I identify with it. Yeah. Back to that, it's feeding into them. And so I think that that, I mean, that idea of, yeah, a practice as something that unfolds mm-hmm. and a practice that, that can, can even, that can exist at these different scales or like that can sort of even contain other practices. I think that that's, that's really interesting to me. So do you feel, do you feel like, um, Southland Institute, the idea of starting a new institution, the idea of starting a new program, I don't even know if you call it an institution, but starting a new program, mm-hmm. um, which I, you know, we could say is, is it a school? Is it a workshop? Is it, um, an idea? Mm-hmm. You know, has, has your, um, trying to work with that, to deal with that, to solve this idea of I'm starting a new thing. Mm-hmm. Um, has that become a practice for you? How would you, how would you sort of relate that to who you are, you know, and how, um, and the work that you do? Right. I mean, I think, I think it's interesting to see the way that it's become a practice, the way that it like went from being I mean, because even when I think, I actually like saw a friend recently, like a sort of re- a friend I maybe met like three years ago, mm-hmm. and I think one of the first times we met, I had sort of said, you know, I'm thinking about like starting a school. Mm-hmm. That was that was sort of it, and I feel like at that point it was like it was not a practice; it was like an idea or a seed. Right. And as as it's been named, or as it's become this thing, and as I've started to sort of put it into the world, as I've started to like go around and talk about it, and present it to people and invite other people to be involved or people are like, I mean, actually start kind of like approaching me about it. Uh, you know, I think it's, yeah, it, it's taking on a life of its own. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it's, it's, it's interesting this way that it's like, it is a practice, but then it also feels like it's, it's an umbrella for many practices and yeah. that can be many of mine but I think that I also there's there's this there's this sort of interesting goal of like creating this thing that's bigger than just that too that can be an, um, like an umbrella under which people could also either bring their own practices or yeah their own practices um and I, oh go ahead yeah no I, I totally I totally relate to that I, I understand what you're saying because I'm thinking also about, again, coming back to my own uh, library of the printed web, which began as a project, turned into a practice because it sort of inhabited every part of, you know, what I was doing in relation to graphic design and art and writing and research. Um, and it expanded over the course of a few years. And um, as Bobby mentioned in the introduction, recently MoMA Library acquired um, a whole collection and all of all of the work that I have been building, and it's sitting there now in kind of like the the ultimate archive for artists' publication. <laughs> so in some ways, I feel like I I have let go of or now a separation between this thing that I had inhabited and that I occupied and that sort of I identified with everything that we were talking about that embodies practice 
I feel now is, is sitting there in Midtown Manhattan <laughs> and um, separate from me. And I, I'm actually in this very strange position right now trying to figure out um, what it means when your practice now actually becomes a project. It, I feel like this thing, Library of the Printed Web, this um, you know marvelous sort of ball of energy that involves collaborations and other artists and writing and research and um, you know scholarly output on behalf of others as well. This is not just not just me. Um, is now sort of sitting there in someone else's territory, the institution, you know, institution of art. And that's a wonderful thing. I'm really, really happy about it. But it also means that um, that I no longer own it or name it in the same way as you were describing. It, in, in some ways, it feels like it's been reconciled and it's now a project that sits there in the institution. And so, so do, do things get added to it? Or is, is it it's done? How, the way it is there is the way it will always be. I'm not sure. I mean, if anyone goes to MoMA Library now, you can go in there and ask uh, Jenny Tobias, the librarian there, uh, to see Library of the Print Web. And um, apparently, I think, they are keeping it all together so that they'll just wheel it out for you to see or, or portions of it for you to see. They're, they're actually still cataloging it right now. So um, uh, I saw her recently at the New York Art Fair, and um, you know, she said, can, can, can you please continue to add to it? <laughs> and, and so here I am in this very uh, sort of weird place between a practice and a project where I feel like maybe Maybe projects do have beginnings and ends, and it feels like maybe this this has ended. Of course, I am going to keep producing work, and I'm going to keep teaching um, and doing all the things that I love to do. So, what do I call that now? It kind of goes back to the beginning. You know, like uh, what is my practice now? I don't know. I, I don't have any answers to that. I'm just, but it's. It is interesting for me to talk about it, and even that we're having this conversation now, you know, it just feels yeah. fun. Yeah. So what's the next step for you with Southland? Um. So the next step is, I mean, the next step is actually sort of like letting, creating. The, I mean, or the, or the program in a sense has been created, so it's sort of it's it's activating it basically by having people plug into it and by you know sort of starting. Of the first class, um, it's it's in a bit of an interesting position right now. Where I mean, and this is, I mean, I was sort of joking with someone the other day. It's like, you know, how do you know you're like a real school? It's because like now the the concern is like, how do we attract students? How do we find funders? Where is the money going to come from? Um, and so it is. I mean, you know, it's sort of again talking about this like logistics and then the idea is like it is in this it's in this realm right now which is sort of how do we so we have we have a curriculum we have the people involved we have a small cohort of students um you know i think that the what the absent factor right now is the, the funding issue and so you know i think that's this is this is a whole probably other conversation that we don't have time for right now. Um, but you know, I think that there is this part of Southland which is like part of it is is really about graphic design, typography, sort of art. Um, but another part of it is about like 
how does an institution function? Like, what is the value of an instructor's labor? What is the sort of exchange between a person participating and a person who is teaching, facilitating? Um, and, you know, I think there's some, like, very serious questions around that. You know, I think that there's, like, in a, in a very simple, like, one line, outside of the question of graphic design, there is a question that Southland and students asking, which is, like, how can we create a school, a, a, like a, a school that is like that has a degree of rigor and seriousness that is affordable for students and pays its faculty reasonably and well? And it's like, I mean, it's a pretty simple idea that yeah, that line right there. Now it's like <laughs> you could work on that for the rest of your life. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And is is that a white whale? It doesn't, it seems like it shouldn't be. It seems, and so I think that part of what I'm trying to do and we're trying to do is like, look at what those models could be. Because I think that the, the model that we know, the sort of institutional accredited model that we know, is the opposite of that. Yeah. It's the, it's the absolute opposite of that. And so, I mean, even I think it's like, even if we move towards it, that feels, um, but I think that I, I mean, again, that feels sort of heading off in a, a different direction. Um, right. And there, and there is, I mean, there, there is a question that I wanted to ask you that does, that relates back to practice and printed web and like your own projects. But, you know, sort of looking at some of your stuff online and thinking about like the presence that you have online and this idea of, you know, it, it's a little, older now and kind of announces at the top of it that like it hasn't been it's sort of where it was in 2015 but the counter this notion of counter practice oh yeah uh, and right. i mean i think even even there like I don't, I don't know if that feels timely to you right now but it feels in terms of this conversation i think that there's even just in you know the first page or the first couple lines it says like there's this interest in like questioning the center and yeah, magic in the margins. And I guess just for the listeners, um, counter practice was, and I'm going to the website now because I haven't looked at it for a while. <laughs> uh, Counterpractice.com. Yeah, that was um, when I uh, entered New Ink at the New Museum, which is um, the uh, art, uh, tech, and design incubator that uh, the New Museum started um, a couple of years ago, and I was in the inaugural um, group there. Uh, first year, and that really felt like a moment, kind of like the moment that I'm sort of looking at right now, where I was struggling to pivot or redefine um, how I was doing work, and um, decided to decided to start there at New Ink with a new name um, for for my studio, and I and I called it Counter Practice. So yeah, I'm gonna reread that. Um, <laughs> Counter Practice is the New York-based graphic design and publishing studio of Paul Sulelis, blah, blah, blah. Counter Practice questions the red-hot center and looks for magic in the margins. The studio favors longevity over right now, thingness over ephemerality, and agility over perfection. Above all, radical curiosity drives the work. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's... 
I think that, that sense of even just seeing your response to this, it's like it feels like, oh, I haven't thought, actually thought about this for a little while. Been, well, it's, but it it's feels a like sort of seed there. That, it's what, what? Of seed there, the kind of oh, yeah. that yeah. that idea of whether whether it's counter or whether it's margin or whether it's because I think that that was I mean something that I was thinking about your work is that you know I think a way that I was drawn to it initially or I didn't, and yeah I don't remember how I stumbled on it originally but I think that again you know this idea of kind of having this publishing it's like publishing as a critical art practice yeah, well, I like to say these days, um, publishing is artistic practice. So this idea of um, using using the act and the gesture of making public um, as as the the form of um, my work, you know, that that is that is sort of the form that my work takes, uh, and so connecting to audiences and um, uh, thinking about that space between. Um, sort of working in a studio and that moment when um, you connect to a reader, a user, uh, your audience. Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just um, sort of struck at, uh, struck with, first of all, how this is already two years ago, reading this statement, the kind of practice statement, you know, um, and that's kind of shocking to me, uh, you know, and also just the relevance of it because it still feels like a pretty good statement. Um, Counterpractice questions the red hot center. And I guess that also, you know, I think is one of the things that connects us in our work is, is sort of looking for alternatives while also um, trying to uh, maintain some kind of existence within these structures and to continue to work on them. You know, we both teach and, um, uh, highly renowned, um, you know, uh, art institutions, and um, and I know that we're growing and we're learning from those experiences, and and bringing it into what we do, uh, into everything that we do. Um, so yeah, it's about it's about questioning. 